going to be a good night. I always tell people when I preach, you don't know if it's going to be the best thing you ever heard or the worst thing you ever heard. Um, and it'll be a surprise tonight. How's everyone doing? Good, good. Thank you so much for having me here. We have a beautiful community here, a beautiful church. Like Tim said, I've been through a lot of stuff in my life, um, ups and downs, crazy downs and crazy ups. Um, and I won't get into a lot of that tonight, but it is so refreshing. For those of you who are looking at Tehillah as a place to come and a place to call home, obviously we encourage you to, to go to your own churches and stuff, but on, to come here on a Monday night, this is a place that truly loves you. This is a place where you will know that you are loved and that we care about you because that's what church is about. And that's what, what we are about. And I'm so thankful and that, that Tim allows someone like me to come and, and, and preach because for most pastors, this is like everything right here. And, and the, the fact that we have this kind of leadership in this community where a pastor is willing to say, hey, you know what, you come up and do it, uh, that just shows you how incredible this place is. So I'm so thankful. And, and for those of you who have passions, can I tell you something? My passion is to speak. I love doing it. I've always loved doing it. My wife doesn't like it quite as much as I do, but because I speak a lot. Um, but you know what? Whatever your passion is, I, I, just, I just encourage you to pursue it. Because if it's wrapped in God's love and, if, and it's wrapped in God's identity, he will give it to you. It's so funny. A year and a half ago, I remember being here and being like, Father, my heart is bursting to share love with these people. And not that I thought that they were doing it wrong, but it was just like, God, it's literally eating me up inside. And, and a year and a half later, this is a place where I get to share my love. And so my encouragement for you is there's something in your heart that's burning and you're just like, Father, uh, oh, I want that. God, I, I, I see that you've given me a gift. My prayer is, is, is that you would see that come to fruition, but in the identity of Jesus, not in your own strength, because he can do it, all right? So we're gonna, we're gonna I'm gonna talk tonight. I have this, this uh, sermon all color-coded, and, and it took me hours and hours to write, and I don't know if I'm gonna say any of it. I'm gonna share with you what, what God is speaking on my heart right now. And so we're in this, I'm sorry to be a bother, can I get some water? My throat is, I have to pee and I have to drink, and I can't just go pee right now. Like, why didn't I go pee earlier? Um, anyways, I'm wearing black pants, so you probably couldn't tell. Um, so I, I, anyways, sorry, sorry, sorry. So, um, so anyways, I'm going to preach tonight about identity. I'm, I'm going to try not to be too long, but I think this is super important. Tim and others and Luke brought us into this beautiful message about identity. And I'm going to just talk to you a little bit about my story. Not necessarily my story, but what I've learned about my identity um, as a Christian. Was that cool? So I, I'm going to check my notes a little bit. But um, the crazy thing about people, and, and before I get into this, this is probably one of the most important things that us as individuals need to understand is our identity. I cannot stress this enough. We could literally speak about this for the next two years and it wouldn't be enough because everything is rooted in who we know and who we believe that we are. Everything comes out of that. And so, unfortunately, I can't get into everything about identity tonight, but I'm hopefully going to hit a couple things. So the crazy thing about us is that we as people learn a lot from um, times when we have things taken away from us. And there, I, I was thinking about this the other day. So I have some buddies, and we have a motorcycle garage together, and we work on bikes together. 
and there's times when I'm like wrenching on a bolt on my bike and it won't go and I'll just wrench it super hard and then all of a sudden it just goes and I smash my fingers, like all four of my fingers and then they become completely useless. Thank you so much, James. They become completely useless and I'm like, no, and like I literally can't use my fingers and I'm like trying to do stuff and my fingers are all broken and, uh, well, not like actually broken, but, um, and I'm just like, man, life was so much better when my fingers didn't hurt. And it's funny, it's like when we get a sliver, and we're like, God, why did you give this to me? Life was so much easier when my sliver wasn't here. Like, you know, and you're like, my life is over, because you realize, like, having no sliver was so much better than having this sliver, right? Like, you, and it's, it's things you take for granted. You take for granted your ability to use your hands until this tiny little sliver gets in there, and you're just like, crap, this sucks, and, and that's, life is like that. Like some of the most important things in life that we experience or that we learn about are things that we don't really understand until they're taken away from us. And a lot of times they're things that we didn't even realize that were even that important until they're taken away from us. And our identity is a lot like that. I don't know, is anyone in this room, if they're brave enough, have you ever been the victim of identity theft? Anyone in this room? All right, we got a couple. We got a couple. Identity theft sucks. I've never been a part of it, but I've heard. I watched that movie, Identity Theft. I don't know if you guys saw that. But, um, I think that's like an accurate representation of what identity theft would be like. Um, <laughs> but it sucks. I mean, I'm being facetious, but the reality is, is identity theft is risen. Like, it's a billion-dollar black market industry um, because there's so many people out there. Because once you have somebody's identity... You can do whatever you want. And the crazy thing about it is that without our identities, we're naked. We have nothing. Think about it. When someone steals our physical identity through credit card fraud or things like that, you can't even go to the bank and get $20 out because they don't know who you are. You can't even, you can't get a hotel. You can't do anything. You are literally naked. You do not exist anymore because someone stole your identity. And the real, it's like we need to understand that because that is like a perfect example of our identity in Jesus Christ. When our identity in Jesus Christ gets taken, we get naked and we get like naked to the world and to the enemy that, that it's really hard for us to live the way that we were made to live. And it's crazy, this world the, the biggest thing in this world is identity. I mean, you can look at it in a million different things, pride and this and all that stuff, but this world, the whole world has an identity crisis. And all you need to do is turn on the TV or, or look at Instagram or do whatever to see that this world is bombarding you with, this is what your identity is, this is what your identity is, this is how you're going to be happy, this is how you're going to be happy. These are the things that are going to make you happy. But that is one of the craziest tricks of Satan. Because the reality is, is if you play that game and you get your identity in anything that the world has to offer, it leads to depression. It leads to, to crap. And, and I see this as real-life examples of this. Think about this. We hear of a stockbroker who lost all his money in a bad trade and he decides to jump out the window. We hear of an actress who had two bad movies come out and then she gets into drugs and alcohol and overdoses or whatever. And the reason why people do that is because their identity was so tied into money and fame that when money and fame are gone, their life is gone. 
Isn't that nuts? And that's how we live our life. It's like beauty is important. Friends, all of these other things are important. But then when we don't have them anymore, we're like, oh my goodness, I have no reason for living because the very reason I was living is taken, taken from me. Like how crazy is that? But that is the game that this world wants you to play. This world says you have to live in this identity. But can I tell you something? You know, I always say the answer is always Jesus. And that's the truth today is that we actually don't have to play this game. I don't want to play that game. That game sucks. It leads to death, destruction. It leads to all of that. I want to live my life knowing that my identity is in Jesus Christ. Don't get me wrong. I can love other things. I can be stoked on other things. I can be into motorcycles or this or that or whatever. I can identify with other things. It's all good. Being, having your identity in Jesus Christ doesn't mean that you have to like literally just like stand there and just be like, Jesus, 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 Jesus. <laughs> like that's not what it means. It doesn't mean you have to live in a bubble from the world. It means that your identity is so strong it doesn't matter what the world is doing. It doesn't matter. You can live in the world because guess what? The world is going to conform to your identity. My voice is cracking. Sorry. The world conforms, see, I didn't even take a drink of this water. Here we go, come on. So funny when, when pastors pour, I'm spitting. When they drink water, I'm like, why do you need water? It's not like, and now I'm literally that guy that needs water. <laughs> what a guy. But, but that's how it is. We want our identity to be so strong in Christ that it doesn't matter where we walk into that I am not conformed by the identity of this world, that I can go into a bar or I can go into wherever. I'm not saying you need to do that. If that's not your calling, don't do it. But I don't have to be afraid of those things because those things conform to my identity. Those things see the beautiful identity that I have in Christ, which is so strong, which destroys anything that the world can offer. And I'm not worried about that. And isn't that what Jesus did? Jesus wasn't worried about saying and doing the right things. Here's the thing as Christians. As Christians, we think it's all, we think this whole thing sometimes, and I'm talking about myself. I can only talk about my own journey. But as a Christian, I've thought, okay, well, Christianity is about right and wrong. Christianity is about ensuring that I do the right things because that gets me to heaven, and I stay away from the wrong things because that gets Jesus mad, and I don't want to get Jesus mad. But it's funny, but it's real. But the reality is, is Jesus did not walk on this earth and make sure he's like, oh, well, is this right? I got to make sure I do this. Is that wrong? I got to make sure I do this. He wasn't concerned about always making sure he did right and wrong. He was concerned about his identity in his father, his identity in God. And because his identity in God was so strong, then life and beautiful and all of those things came out of that. Does that make sense? It's like we need to stop focusing so much on making sure we stop sinning and focus more on making sure that our identity is in Jesus Christ, and the sin will leave. Because our identity is so strong in Jesus. And this is how I know this is true. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying go sin and go do whatever and whatever. I'm saying that focus on your identity. And it's simple. I could actually end this sermon right now, and I apologize for people who want a quick sermon. I'm not going to end it right here, but I could. Because this is it. Your identity in Jesus is this, that he wonderfully made you that he loves you and he adores you, that nothing can separate you from his love. Nothing. That's your identity in Jesus Christ. And you can walk through anything with that identity. 
That doesn't mean life's going to be easy, perfect, beautiful, whatever. It just means that it doesn't matter because your identity isn't something that trumps the world. Your identity is something that's so much bigger. So life's ups and downs will come, challenges will come, but whatever, because your identity is in him. And that's, and I could end it right there, but I'll, I'll say a couple more things. All right. This is how I know this is true because I think about this with my son. So I have a beautiful eight-month-old son. Oh, every day I love him so much. And every day I just love him more and more. And I, my wife and I, you know, we're trying so hard to make sure, even as a baby, that he, he stays protected and he doesn't get hurt and all that kind of stuff. But I start to think about him. I look at this beautiful child and I think, oh, God, like this world is tough. This world bombards you with messages about that are so anti-God. And I'm not even talking about like just purely like anti-God things. I just mean like everything this world stands for is everything that Jesus didn't. And so I get worried for my son and I think, how can I ensure that this kid is safe, that when he's a teenager, he doesn't make the same mistakes his dad did, that he doesn't walk down the same path, that he doesn't get into drugs and alcohol, that he doesn't find his identity in, friend, in, in bad friends, or he doesn't party and he doesn't do all those things. Like, God, how do I do this? And I get so worried. And God's like, well, you have two options. You can do this, which is essentially be a helicopter parent, you know, make sure he never leaves your side, make sure he, he's always there, don't let him go out, don't let him play with anyone, don't let him watch any bad TV shows like The Simpsons and Family Guy, I don't think those are bad, I'm just kidding, but, um, you know, like, just, like, stuff like that, where it's, like, you can, like, overly protect him, and make sure that he does not see or experience pain or hurt or anything of the world. You can do that, but I can tell you where it's going to end up. He's going to resent you. He's going to resent the world, and he is going to rebel so hard. So you can try to protect him all you want, but here's a better idea. Do what Jesus did and do what I do. Make his identity, help him to understand that his identity is so strong in you and in Jesus that all of that other stuff doesn't matter. Instead of trying to ensure that you protect him from all the dangers of this world, ensure that he knows what his identity is so that when the world comes, he really doesn't care because he knows what the truth is. Because you can't be there for every single thing. And that's what God does to us. God didn't come down. God, God literally isn't here and saying, you know, okay, don't do this. That's a bad thing. Okay, make sure you don't do that. You know? Because God, he, he, he loves us so much that he gives us free will. So he says, listen, I can't, not that I can't, but because I love you so much, I'm going to let you make your decisions. But here's the trick. I'm going to keep you safe by ensuring that you understand what your identity in me is. Does that make sense? And that is my passion today, and that is my passion for my son and for every single person I meet. When people tell me, oh, Stu, I have a problem with this sin. Oh, Stu, I have a problem with this sin. It's killing me. I always think, your problem isn't with sin. I mean, it is. That's a symptom. But your problem's with your identity. And you can do all you want. You can go to all the right courses, and you can like, do all that stuff to try to figure out, like, why am I sinning? Oh, why am I sinning? Or you could figure out who your identity is in Jesus Christ and realize that out of that comes the fruit, right? And that is what I want people to understand and know. And don't get me wrong, if you have crazy sins that are like really hurting you, you gotta figure them out. I'm not saying that. But figure out what the root of the issue is, not what the symptoms are. Because that's what we need to figure out. All right? So this is what I'm gonna show you. Oh, oh yeah, you already read this stuff. 
Satan is the ultimate identity theft. But here's the thing. It's kind of a, that's kind of a trick saying because he can't steal that. He can't steal your identity. He can think, you, he can make you think he did. But he can't steal it because what your, your identity is in Christ. You actually give it to him. You don't realize it. He's the thief at the door and you're like, ah, he robbed me. And you're like, actually, you, you gave it to him. So let's go to the next slide. I want to just share a couple things with you. How are we doing for time? We're okay? Yeah, everyone's good? Bums, are, bums aren't too sore or anything? We're good? Yeah, James's butt feels great. All right. That's what, I'm just saying what he said. Um, so here's a few things that I learned about my identity. Again, this isn't a perfect sermon and, and, and whatever, but here's a few things that I learned that I want you guys to, to, to take from my life. Number one. I'll go wait for the slide because I forget. <laughs> it's okay to ask tough questions and to wrestle with the challenges of life and faith. For me, growing up as a Christian, I always thought that, no, 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 you can't ask questions. You can't challenge some of the things that, that, that you're being told or, or some of the things that you're believing. That's wrong. You don't question. And actually, I've lost friends, close friends, because I refused to stop asking questions. Because when I saw things that didn't quite line up with, with Jesus, I was like, wait, that, what, what about this? And they were like, no, 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 you can't question. And they would always quote this verse to me. They would say, oh, well, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but they're like, you know, you, you don't know the ways of God. His ways are mightier than ours, and, and you don't know them, so don't question. Now, people take that phrase sometimes or that verse to say, don't question. But my challenge is this, is that is God so fragile that he can't handle a question from me? And the answer that God gave me is like, absolutely, I can handle your question. It's not about me. It's about how you ask that question. It's about the spirit of that question. In um, Matthew 18, 3, and I'm, I'm taking this a bit out of context, but I really think it's important for this. Jesus says, truly, I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And... And what that's not saying, like what's that saying is he, Jesus is, is talking about humbleness there. He's talking about becoming humble like a child. But do you know what else children do? They ask questions. They ask a lot of questions. I was at my, um, my shop with my, my friends last week and my buddy Roland has this beautiful little daughter and we were wrenching away and she would just be asking everything like, what's that? I'm like, oh, it's a wrench. What does it do? Well, it turns the bowl. What's the bowl do? Well, it holds this thing. Oh, what are you doing now? And you're like, okay. And, but you're like, I was, I was so happy and okay to answer her questions because it's like she's learning. And, and she's filled with wonder and being like, what do these things do? And you'd like walk over to the corner. She's like, well, why are you going over to the corner? And sometimes the questions got like a little, little, <laughs> little whatever. But, <laughs> but it's like, it's okay. It was just like, God just showed me. It's like, Stu, I love when you ask me questions. And sometimes people get this confused because if you think of who asked the first question in the Bible, well, it was Satan. And he went to Eve and he said, are you sure God said that? Are you sure God said not to eat that fruit? And some people have actually quoted that to me and said, Stuart, don't ask questions because Satan was the first person to ask questions and you shouldn't do that. That's real. Like I've had Christians tell me that. And then I feel like God spoke to me. He said, no, Stu, there's two ways to ask questions. Satan asked a question out of trying to trick someone trying to deceive someone. Satan asked the question knowing what the answer already was. My children ask questions because they want to know the answers. 
Can I tell you something? Life is hard sometimes. Christianity, there's, there's a big book. There's a lot, and, and people have different um, understandings of different verses and things like that. It's okay to ask questions. Some of the most brilliant Christians I know are people who asked really hard questions but then went to God and said, Father, through your grace and your Holy Spirit, would you give me an answer? And, and that is my heart. You're, if your identity is in Christ, Christ is not afraid of your questions and he's not mad of your questions. And neither should we be. And when we ask questions, we're able to answer the, answer the questions of those who come to us. And say like, hey, this is a thing I've been worried about. And it's okay. When we see things going on in the world, today I asked a question. Today was a hard day for me. I cried at work. I'm an emotional dude. I am. I have no problem with crying. And except when I like, anyways, whatever. But um, I, I, I was like going to make a joke and then it wasn't funny in my own head. So I stopped. Um, and, and, but I cried today at work. For some reason, there was two things that really hurt my heart today. That whole gorilla thing, which I'm not saying right or wrong, whatever, but that really hurt my heart. There was something about that that like very, just for some reason, killed my heart. And I, and I saw a picture today of a, a poor little baby that drowned in the ocean of, of a refugee. And that stopped me at work as I had a conference call. I had to put myself on mute, and I just cried. And I said, God, why? Now, there's some questions, like, and, and I don't think God is mad at that question, because my question wasn't, well, God, how dare you? My question was, God, why? And what do we do about it? How do we fix this? Anyways, and, and, and so it's okay to ask questions because they, they strengthen us and they, and they help us grow. And, oops, amen. <laughs> amen. Okay, number two. All right. Being a Christian, this one is a mind blower, okay? If you guys remember something, remember this. Being a Christian is not about experiencing the kingdom of heaven someday. It's about experiencing the kingdom of heaven today. Every day. You know, we think of Jesus, we have thought of Jesus like this before. It's like, we think that Jesus is like this heavenly train conductor, and we say the salvation prayer, and then he's like, here's your ticket to heaven, see you later. Here's your ticket to heaven, here's your ticket to heaven. But it's like, that's what we think, it's like Jesus is our, is our heavenly train conductor. And we think that Christianity is almost sometimes some type of like afterlife insurance. Like we're taking out an insurance policy. It's like, oh, no, 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 I, I don't, I, you know, I, I want to go to heaven, so I better, you know, do this. But the reality is that Jesus and, and, and the, the gospel, the good news, is not just about tomorrow. Is it about tomorrow? Yes. Is heaven important? All those things? Yes. But do you know what's really important? Today. Today. Jesus could have come and take everyone away. And he could have said, okay, guys, this is enough. This world is messed up. We're done. Let's just get out of this and let's go to heaven and have a party. He didn't do that. You know what Jesus did? He said, I'm going to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. I am going to change this earth. You know God loves the earth. It's his creation. Sometimes Christians think like God's going to destroy the earth and all this stuff. God loves the earth. God adores the earth, and he adores all of the people and the things in the earth. And the good news is about the king coming down and redeeming the earth, and redeeming us, and the kingdom of heaven invading this world. And when your identity is in Christ, you start to understand that. And there's a really cool thing. It's in John 4, 14. 
we, I think this is important. It says, we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world, of this world. And if we go on to the next one there, in John 14, he says, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Can, can you just let that soak in for a second? Like, the thing about us in church is that we hear these mind-blowing things and they become so normal that we forget what they actually mean. The creator of the universe just told you that you can do greater things through him. Like, like you, we need to let that sink in. That means that we, through, and not in your own strength, okay, that's the big caveat there, but that means we, can bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. And some people think that it's all about um, like signs and wonders and miracles and, and that's what this is talking about. And it is. Don't get me wrong. This is about signs. Like we can do signs and wonders and healings and all of that kind of stuff. But Jesus' life is a perfect example of the kingdom of heaven. And what did Jesus do? He lived with the poor. He loved the broken. He took the outcasts and he said, you're not outcasts anymore. You can come live here. I, can I tell you something? Right now, if you're looking at your life and you're saying, I do not have enough kingdom of heaven in my life, go to the mustard seed. You'll find the kingdom of heaven there. Go do that. Because that is what it means to be, to have your identity in Christ. It's to say, I am going to you know, I'm going to be a part of the kingdom of heaven on earth. Like, God, as citizens of heaven, as citizens of the kingdom of heaven, we literally get to change this world. And that is the answer that God gave me as I looked at a picture of a dying child. And I'm sorry, I know that's it's a heavy thing, but it's true. This Life is heavy. And as I looked at the picture of the dying child, and he said, Stuart, that could have been avoided. And you are a citizen of heaven. So bring heaven to earth. Love people. Let people realize. So many people have given up on this earth and they're like, this is done. This earth is messed up. There's nothing we can do. No, 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 no. Then you need to read your Bible. You need to read the gospel. Because Jesus said, and that's the thing, if every Christian lived like that, if we truly lived like we were citizens of heaven and that we were here to change the world, don't get me wrong, the Christians have done such amazing things in this world. But this world would just be so much more impacted. And don't get me wrong, that's not, like a, that's not a works-based thing that says God loves you more if you, you know, do all those things. That's not what it's about. It's about do you want to experience the kingdom of heaven? That's how you do it. Amen? All right, number four. Just this one and one more, and then we're out of here. Oh, no, three more. I'm sorry. Oh, you guys are so mad. I always wonder, like, doing lists, because there's five, okay? So just so that you're counting, this is number three of five. But I always, like, should I do a list? Because then when you do a list, everyone's, like, counting down. They're like, okay, buddy, get to four, get to five. Um, all right, number three. Okay, yeah. You know what? I'm going to tell you there's 25. And then when I stop at five, you're going to be like, what? This is amazing. You tricked us. All right, number three. When I see my identity in Christ, I start to see Christ in everyone. This is mind-blowing. Listen to this. In Matthew 25, Jesus talks about the second coming and how all the nations will stand before him. And he says to the righteous, he says this, come and inherit the kingdom. This isn't this one, but I'm just paraphrasing it. 
Come and inherit the kingdom prepared for you. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. So he's literally telling the righteous, listen, come to the kingdom because these are all the things that you've done. This is how I know you're righteous. And the righteous look back at him and they say, God, Jesus, we didn't do those things. We never saw you. We don't, you're tripping. We never did that. And, And Christ goes back to him and he says this powerful thing. And the king will answer them. Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of my brothers, you did it to me. Like literally, that is like a mind-melting verse. And that's the exact opposite of the identity of the world. The identity of the world is dog-eat-dog, every man for himself. Take care of yourself first. And this is what Jesus said. When we look at the life of Jesus, he says this. He says, look at the sick, look at the strangers, look at the lonely, look at the poor. Not only do I want them to see, not only do I want them, you, to see them as my brothers. I'm going to take it a step further. I want them to, I want you to see them as your brothers. I'm going to take it a step further. I want you to see them as me. Like he says that. He says, when you did it to them, you did it to me. And so when you start, when your identity is in Christ, you start to see Christ in everyone. Not if they're saved, not if they've said the right prayer. You see Christ in everyone. And then the obligation leaves. You're not like, oh man, you know when you see a homeless person, and I'm not trying to downplay, like homelessness is very challenging and there's not one easy answer to it, but when you see a homeless person, you're not like, oh man, homeless person, what am I gonna do? You see a homeless person, you say, there's Jesus. That is Jesus. And he might even think he's Jesus. Some homeless people do. But, uh, but it's true. Um, but then you're like, ah, maybe you're not Jesus. And don't tell him he's Jesus. That'll really mess him up. But, um, but, but that's the thing. It's like the burden leaves. And you realize that, wow, this is Jesus. And I get the privilege, the beauty to interact with my Savior right now. And guys, that is, that's world-changing stuff. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying every homeless person you see you need to stop and give money to. Like, don't even read into that. Let God talk to your heart about what you need to do there. But just know that that person that's angry at you, that person that you hate, that person that you're so frustrated with, see Jesus in that person. And that'll change your life. All right, number four. My fear and anxiety, I could say our fear and anxiety, come from a misunderstanding of my identity. For those of you who know me, you know I've struggled with uh, mental health my whole life. Um, I've struggled with anxiety and things like that. I'm not embarrassed of it, I'm not ashamed of it because we all have challenges that we face. And I've struggled with anxiety. Now, some of that anxiety is purely due to the psychological and the neurological um, responses of drug abuse and and things like that and, and, you know, know, what I I got from my parents and things like that. And that needs to be dealt with medically and all of that stuff. And and, and don't get me wrong, God, God can heal all of that. But the majority of my anxiety is due to the fact that I say yes to identities that aren't mine. And I say no to identities that are. 
And this is what I mean. For years and years, I prayed to God, and I said, Father, I'd have dehabilitating anxiety where I couldn't get out of bed, I couldn't do these things, and I'd pray and pray and pray, and I'd say, Father, please take this, please, please, I'd cry and cry and cry. I would go to every single prayer service I heard about, every single healing service, and I would go, and I would just go, 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 and say, Father, heal me, heal me, heal me. I'd go to the front, I'd do everything I possibly could. And I never got healed in my anxiety. And I started to go to God, and this actually really messed my faith up. And I started to go to God, and I started to say, Father, you don't love me. I'm seeing these people get healed, but I'm not getting healed. Like, what? You don't care about me? And, and one day, I was in the Word, and I was, I was praying, and, and God just spoke to me. He was like, Stuart, it's not that I don't want to heal your anxiety. It's that you keep asking me to take care of the symptoms, and you haven't ever asked me what the root is. And he gave me this picture. It's like, if your leg was broken, would you go to the doctor and say, doctor, can I have a couple Tylenol? I want my leg to feel better. Or would you go to the doctor and you say, or doctor, yeah, I mean, he might be your father. He might be your doctor. <laughs> dad, doctor, dad, can you please put my bone back in place? Right? Does that make sense? Like, I was asking God for Advil, for spiritual Advil, when he wanted to do the spiritual surgery. Right? And it's like that, and God just spoke to me. He's like, Stuart, you're trying to take care of symptoms, but if you don't take care of the root, there's really no purpose. We're going to keep doing this over and over and over. And the root is, is that your identity is in everything but me. And I'll give you an example. I love speaking. God has just given me a passion to speak. I love doing it. But I used to get, and still sometimes to this day, crazy anxiety before I spoke and while I spoke. And, and God is doing miracles, and it's crazy what, what God is doing in my life. But sometimes things go through a process. And I used to get so frustrated. I'd be like, God, I'm literally speaking about you. Could you give me a break here? Like, why are you not taking my anxiety away? Like, I'm speaking about you. Come on. This is like, aren't I doing a good thing? And it's so funny, right? And, and God said, and then he, he brought me. He was like, dude, do you want to know the reason you have anxiety when you speak? It's because you're afraid that if you mess up, you won't be seen as a good speaker. And if you're not seen as a good speaker, then you're not valued as a person. And if you're not valued as a person, you have no reason for living. So what's the point? He said the reason you have anxiety is because you put your identity in your ability to speak. And as long as you put your identity in your ability to speak is as long as you're going to have anxiety about speaking. And can I tell you, that's all of our gifts. God gives us beautiful gifts. Some of you in here are writers, poets, musicians, uh, tradespeople, whatever, and you can do amazing things. But you will not have true freedom in your gift until you let it go, until you say, that's not my identity. I might be able to sing. I might love singing, but my identity is not a singer. My identity is a child of God who can sing beautifully. And once you do that, it goes I don't care. If I mess up tonight, I mess up. So what? The world keeps going. You know, you, you might think I'm weird. Oh, well, lots of people already do. <laughs> right? Like, I just, I mean that. It's like, once I let go of that, that's when God, because God said, and, and I was in so much trouble with this, because he would say, I have not given you a spirit of fear, but of peace or of power, love, and a sound mind. And, and I'd always get so frustrated. God, Why? He's like, again, Stu, I want to deal with your identity. And that's what I mean. Like, that's why identity is so important. And so this is the verse I want to share about um, fear and anxiety. Romans 
there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Like we just need to receive that. I feel like the whole world needs to receive that. There is no condemnation. Because that's what anxiety is about. We're like trying to ensure that the world doesn't condemn us and that everyone thinks we're good. It's like, man, let it go. Let it go. There's no condemnation. Let's live in that freedom. Finally, this is the last one. Although we share an identity, we have very different purposes. This one was really hard for me to understand, still is sometimes, and I have to shake my head. Our identity, we all have the same identity, okay? In that we are children of God. Even if you don't believe in Jesus, it's still your identity. You just just don't accept it. But we are all children of God. That's our identity. And so there's all the freedom in the world that comes with that. There's all the giftings in the world that come with that. It's a beautiful thing. But our purposes are different. And the moment we start to look at other people's purposes and judge our purposes related to their purposes is the moment we start to get messed up. And I've done this so often. As Christians, we do this all the time. As people, not even as Christians, as people we do this all the time. We start judging. We judge people. I mean, I always harp on Instagram, but we look at how many followers we have. And I look at Mike, and I'm like, does Mike have more followers than me? Probably. But... You know, and it's like, oh, well, always checking against one another, like, how, like, in the world, it's not, success isn't success. Success is success over other people. That's what the world does. Like, success isn't, you can't just be happy in the world with success. You have to be better than the person next to you. And it's crazy. We live in that. I live in that for my, my career, like, that's just how it is. It's like, you're judged. Our, our performance is judged not on just how good I do, but how, I, how good I do relative to the person sitting in the cubicle next to me. It gets ingrained into your head. But the beautiful thing is that is not Christ. The world identifies you based on your failures and your successes. Christ doesn't care. His, fail, your, his failure, your failures don't upset him, and your successes don't impress him. And I don't mean that in a negative way. He loves them. He loves them. He is so proud of you. But you're not impressing him. <laughs> you know, I'm just, I'm just being real. You're not. That doesn't mean he's like mad at you and be like, oh, that wasn't impressive. Like, he, I just mean like, really, he's God. And he loves you. And again, not, like, there's nothing that you can do to, to, to really impress him. And I used to do this all the time. Like, even as a speaker, I would, I would look at other people and be like, wow, God, he's, you know, he's speaking to 10,000 people or she's doing this or that. And then I would start to be like, well, I guess I'm no good and I'm never going to be anything and all of that stuff. There's probably some of you, I'm going to go out on a limb here. There's probably some of you who look at me or you look at the, the people who are playing up here and you start to judge yourself against them. And you start to say, like, you know, as a musician, you're like, oh, well, I could do that. Or I'm not doing that, so therefore I'm not valuable. And that is a lie from the devil. God, that, that, is not how, that is not how we live our life. And if we live our life from that, we will never find true joy and peace. You will only find joy and peace in your gifts as you give them to God and you focus purely on you and God and not you and other people. And, and, and Paul, he, he did a, a wonderful, um, he gave us a wonderful vision of this when he talks about the church, which is us, And he talks about it being a body. And he gives this great vision. And he says here, sorry, I gotta check it out. Um, 
about the body of Christ. And, and he talks about ears, and he talks about, you know, there's an ear, and there's a foot, and there's a hand, and there's this like that. And he's like, if the whole body was an ear, then we wouldn't have the ability to see. If the whole body was an eye, we wouldn't have the ability to hear. I made you, or God made you differently because you all serve the same ultimate goal, but different purposes, if that makes sense. Your identity is in Christ, but your purposes are so different. Some of you are speakers, some of you are artists, some of you are this or that. But the reality is, is that it doesn't matter. Because God has given you a beautiful gift. And you'll only truly find freedom in that gift once you let it go and realize that you're just part of a body. Right? And the foot can't get mad at the hand and be like, oh, I wish I was a hand. Why can't I be a hand? Just be stoked to your foot. Right? Like, it's good. It's important. They're all important. There's nothing that's more or less important. And that's the thing about a church. We're all important. It's not just the leadership that's important. It's not just the speaker and the pastor that's important. Do you know that I can't say hi to every single person? I can't say Jesus loves you to every single person in here? I can't. As a church, we're a body. And we gotta do it together. And yeah, anyways, it's so important. So important. We can't fail to understand how important this is. In 1 Corinthians 12, 27, it says, now you're a body of Christ. Sorry, you can skip that one. Now you're a body of Christ, or did I not put it up? Sorry. Now you're the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. So I'm going to close with this. So what? So what now? What now? The reality is, is let's just close with this understanding. This is just my life and what I've learned. I don't sit up here pretending to be a perfect man and say that all these things I do perfectly every day. I don't. I mess up. I screw up. All of those things happen. But I always come back to my identity in Jesus Christ. Because guess what? This world is filled with failures. This world is filled with with times we don't meet our own expectations or things like that. But the reality is, is that I always come back to my identity in Jesus Christ. And what this means for you is that we've, we've become so used to hyperbole, and hyperbole is essentially like big exaggeration. We've, we've come so used to these like hyperbole that, that we, start, we stop to realize how important and, and the meaning and the realness of, of some of the things that we believe. This world is broken. This world needs Jesus. This world needs the kingdom of heaven. And guess what? We have an opportunity to be a part of that. That's not an obligation. That's like this awesome thing to say, hey, guess what? This world is broken and I have some of the answers. Not in my own strength, but in my identity in Jesus. And so I mean that, guys. I think we have such an incredible life. We have such incredible things. And I think it's so important for us to stop and reflect and just say, how am I identifying? Who am I identifying with? What am I identifying with? And how do I change this world? Because this world needs to be changed but I only do it through my identity in Christ. Does that make sense? All right? Because we are world changers. Like, I know we say that as Christians, we're world changers, but it's true. We actually are world changers. And we need to do it. So let's finish with this. Romans 15, 7. Accept one another. Then, just as Christ accepted you in order, sorry, accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. And I think I have, or is that it? That's the last one? 
I can't see. Oh, and this is it. This is it right here. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him. He, whatever, I always get that part mixed up. He is it that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. That doesn't mean you can't physically do things. You can. But they're, gonna, they're not going to be fulfilling. And you're never going to get to where you want to go. There's going to be a Christ-sized hole in your heart for the rest of your life. He is the vine. We are the branches. Apart from him, we can do nothing. And that's not a depressing thing. That's a beautiful thing to say, okay, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done trying to do this life by myself. I'm done trying to play the world's game. I am the branch of his beautiful vine. And the other way we should read that is we can do everything in him. Right? Everything in him. So, I love you. This church loves you. We want to encourage you that, um, um, that, that your identity is in Christ. And I'm going to pray. Can, Michael, can you come up and, and, and uh, or is he gone? Oh, he's right there. And the whole band, yeah, sorry. Mike, if you don't mind, you're playing the song, What a Friend We Have. I really feel God was speaking to me. When I, when, when I got saved at 17 years old, my friend gave me a tape that he made on the guitar. And it was literally just him, and he's still one of my best friends to this day. And he sang that song, What a Friend of Mine. It was the only song I had, and I would just play it over and over and over again. What a friend I have. And it changed me. It, it, when, I was, when I was sad and I was alone, I would press play on that tape. It was a tape. Um, and that's how old I am. And, um, and I would just listen to that, and it would just encourage me. So a couple things. I'm going to pray. And then um, if there's people here who want prayer about their identity... You've been listening to a lie about who you are. Our leadership wants to pray for you. And not only that, if you want prayer for anything, our leadership wants to pray for you because we believe that's important. So Father, I thank you for every single person in this room. I thank you, Father, that, that you love them and that you adore them and that your truth for them is that they are made perfectly in your image and that through you they can do anything. And so, Father, I pray tonight that something gets ignited in each one of their hearts where they leave this place, not just saying, oh, that was another nice sermon, but leaving this place saying, I choose today to walk in my true identity, which is the love and grace of Jesus Christ. I pray today, Lord, that world changers would walk out of here that the kingdom of heaven would come to this place, that the kingdom of heaven would come to Calgary through people who recognize what their identity is. Father, I pray for those who are hurting and broke today. Would you replace the lies of the enemy with the truth of Jesus Christ? And would you help us love as you love? So we love you. If you need prayer, we're so here for you. And uh, we hope you have an amazing week. God bless you guys.